Good morning. I think I turned my microphone on, as long as they look at me and give me the thumbs up. I do want to start out by saying thank you to Trent. He did a fine job reading our scripture. Um, I was in discussion this week with a few different people, and they mentioned how special scripture reading is in worship. You know, as we come together during scripture reading, we actually have God's literal words through inspired men that we are listening to. Now, you've seen me talk for the last 30 seconds, and not one of those words was inspired. But when we have Scripture reading, I believe one of the most honorable things that can be done is speaking and reading the literal words that God said. So, Trent, uh, thank you so much for reading our Scripture this morning. Now, we are glad that you are here. If you are visiting with us, make it a point to come back. We want to encourage you to... Uh, visit with us, to worship with us, and we pray that as we worship together, all can be done in spirit and in truth. It can be done according to that New Testament pattern that we find written in the Word of God. Now also, it's a special morning, so kids, listen up. Charlie, you're not paying attention. We got a word today, and I need you to start keeping track. Now this word is one that we could almost do every Sunday. And this word is super special because there's no one that is more important. But we're going to use it a lot of times, and so you're going to have to listen close, and the word is God. Now, if I say God's, we're going to count it. And if I use God or another form, I would even let you count the word Lord. But I want you to make a mark or a tally every time I say the word God, and listen close because there is not anything that could ever transpire in your life that is more important than God. So, I don't know how many marks you got, but you better be ready. Today we will be talking about being the person that God intended me to be. As a young boy, I remember watching the television once in a while and we would see the army would put up the, the commercials and it would say, be all that you can be, you can. As a Christian, be exactly what God wanted you to be. Now, I'm here to tell you as I stand before you this morning, within our society, we have a lot of people that don't want to be what they were intended to be. They want life to go a hundred different directions, but none of them being what God's intent was. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10, we'll be looking at Ephesians chapter 2 quite often. But I encourage you to hold a finger there. We've noticed before in verse 10, it says, For we are His workmanship. What that means is God put a lot of work into you. That means God planned on you being something special. In the world of art, this is called a masterpiece. And God thinks that you are His masterpiece. Now... Because of this, we'll recognize later that you were so important that God sent His Son. You were so important that Christ had to die so that we could be what God wanted us to be. It says, for we, in verse 10, are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God created me to be me. 
Go back to the very beginning. Genesis chapter 1, you get down to verse 4 and we see here God has created the light. And in verse 6 it says, And God saw the light and it was good. Drop down to the end of the chapter, Genesis chapter 1 and verse 31. It says, Then God saw everything that He had made. This is looking back and recognizing day 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, and 6. We're not the 7 yet. It doesn't happen until chapter 7. But God looks back at the end of the 6th day and He looks around and it says in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 31, it says, Indeed it was very good. God was proud of His creation. You know, a lot of people start to wonder and then they say, well, what about me? I just feel like God messed up when he got to me. It wasn't like he had a plan. I just popped into this life and then people go all manner of directions in life trying to find a certain happiness. You know, I think of Solomon as he looked for happiness and he searched and he looked around and then he finally comes to the end of the life and he says, man, all those places that I looked for happiness, he said, it wasn't there. But rather, he said, fear God, keep His commandments. That's God's plan. Within God creating me, God created me to be who I am. Within that, I want you to recognize that being a Christian creates a unique happiness within us. If we are in Christ, if we're living for Christ, we're going to have a unique happiness that the world doesn't have. Now, I know you can get on TV and you see the superstars and you say, wow, they've really got a good life. You know, and they get in front of the camera and they talk and they might have a certain happiness about them, but they do not have the unique happiness that Christians enjoy. You can look at 1 Peter chapter 1. In verse 8, in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 8, that happiness is referred to as joy. It says, Whom having not seen you love. Talking about the love for Christ. It says, Though you do not see him yet believing, it says, You rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. There is a certain happy that we, happiness that we have understanding that God sent his Son to die for us. Jesus came to die for us, and it says, though we don't see Him, yet we enjoy a special happiness, a special joy. I think of Psalms chapter 16 and verse 2, it says, O my soul, you have said to the Lord, you are my Lord. My goodness is nothing apart from you. Where was the goodness, the joy, the happiness, the excitement? Where is it found? It's found in God. You, my Lord, also God. All right. Psalm 34, verse 8 says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. It says, Blessed is the man who trusts in Him. The design is, if you aren't putting your trust in God, you're not going to find joy there. I'll say it again. If you aren't putting your trust in God, you won't find your joy there. You know, we can look for joy in a lot of different places. But you're not going to enjoy God's divine plan for us in your le- unless you are looking to Christ for your hope, for your joy. Psalm 107 and verse 1, it says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord for He is good. His mercy 
endures forever. God is good, and because of God's goodness, I can feel good. I can have joy. I can have excitement. And so, God created you to be you, but within that, God created you to be happy in who you are. It saddens me sometimes as I look around and Christians have a sour, a sour demeanor to them, an unhappiness that accustoms them. In fact, I believe it's giving a false advertisement when you look at Matthew chapter 5 and verse 16 when he says, let your light so shine before men. The idea is you advertise for God so that people can recognize that you are special because God loves you. If you give off this demeanor where people look at you and say, well, that's the most miserable person that I've ever met, you recognize what? They don't have the joy that God gives and I don't want to be like them. And so that's the idea in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. Be someone so that people look at you and say, that's God's person. I want to be like them. All right. God created me to be me, but notice this. Sin by design. Sin within itself shows a desire to find happiness in something other than Christ. Do you follow me? Sin, any part of it, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is a desire to find happiness outside of God. And I want to tell you today, as you go back and you remember what 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 8 says, there is not an inexpressible joy. There is not this special happiness outside of Christ. It doesn't exist. But I also want to tell you this. People have been looking for a long time. People have tried sin for centuries. In fact, I could say since the beginning of time, people have been trying sin to find a different happiness. Go back to the garden. Genesis chapter 3, we've got the picture there is, is Eve as she peers up at the fruit. It says, so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, there was some good in it. She says, and it was pleasant to the eyes. She says, and the tree was desirable to make one wise. You know what? Sin has never been something that was so repulsive that you said, why would I ever not try it? Sin is there to attract. You know, the proverb says, don't look on strong drink or wine when it's sparkling in the cup. Why? Because it's, it's attractive. What's going on with Eve? She's looking at the fruit. It appears pretty. It appears something to be desired. It says it was pleasant to the eyes. It was attractive. And then we see the downfall. Then Eve and the man, they both ate of the fruit together. They try it out. They recognize what sin causes. Prior to this, I would bet that they had a joy that was inexplainable. Not having sin, being in the garden where God has this perfect place to live, and yet they needed, they needed more. I think sometimes in life it just so happens that still today we look for more because we just don't think Christ is enough. 
You know, in Matthew chapter 6, in verse 24, it says, No one can serve two masters. For why? Because he says, well, for either will, he will hate the one, and he's going he's gonna to hold to the other, or he'll be loyal to the one, and he'll despise the other. And he says, God cannot serve God, God and mammon. You can't choose two gods. It's either God or it's someone else. It's either God or it's not God. And when you look at Genesis chapter 3, I want you to recognize sin there, the fruit was the not God. They said, look, you can't serve both, and so they chose the fruit. They said, well, I still want to serve God, but I just want to see what the fruit tastes like. You know, I don't believe it matters what sin you look at. I think the list goes on. If you look at being a thief, what's the idea? Well, I don't have enough happiness in what God's given me, so therefore, what am I going to do? He says, I'm going to take something that belongs to someone else. You can look at Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 19, it says, Now the works of the flesh are manifest or evident. Which are these? You go on and you look, and he's talking about what is it that pulls within us, the works of the flesh. What is it that pulls us away from God? He said, they're contrary to one another so that you, you do not do the things that you wish, verse 17. Now he goes on in verse 19, he says, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murderers, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, which I tell you before, what's going to happen? The people are lost because of it. You can look at them individually. What happens? Idolatry, why someone get caught up in idolatry? Because God isn't enough. They're not pleased with him. They don't find joy in God. They need something more. You go down to fornication or adultery. What's the idea? Well, doing it God's way isn't good enough. So therefore, I need to go find happiness somewhere else. I've got to go find this, this pursue this sexual desire with someone other than God has planned for me or has given to me. All right. He says, drunkenness. What's the idea? Well, I'm not happy just being a Christian. What do I need? I've got to have a drink. I've got to have some, some alcohol to provide me some happiness. He says, outbursts of wrath. What's the idea? Well, I'm not happy where I am, so you're going to see me be mad. You understand? Any manner of sin is just because we need to find happiness somewhere else. God isn't good enough. Our joy as a Christian is not enough. But God created you to be you. And when I say God created you to be you, I want you to understand that in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, when God says he's your, you're His masterpiece, it means He created you for salvation so that you could be in heaven. He created you for the purpose of your opportunity to go live with the Savior. Psalm chapter 16 and verse 4, it says, "Their sorrows shall be multiplied who hasten, where do they go? After another God. They pursue another God. What is that other God? Well, it was the fruit. It was the possessions when you talk about thievery or being a thief. It was any manner of things that they looked to. And they say, well, this is my God. They pursued someone else. The keeping of God's commandments is so closely tied to our having joy. If we don't have joy, well, we probably better consider 
Are we doing what God asked us to do? Look at John chapter 15. I'll let you turn there because we're going to read a few verses. John chapter 15. Start in verse 9. Jesus speaking here says, As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. He says, if you keep my commandments in verse 10, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. Notice in verse 11. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. Where's joy found? Get out your checker. It's found in God. He said, your joy is full. Why? Because you kept my commandments just as I kept God's commandments. That's not Jared talking. That was Jesus. You kept God's commandments as I kept God's commandments. And so, therefore, true joy is yours. It belongs to you. You found true happiness because you looked in the right places. You know, within, within the Bible, each person has expectations according to the abilities that they have. You know, you can look at Matthew chapter 25 and look at the, the parable of the talents, specifically talking about money there. In Matthew chapter 25 and verse 15, it says, and he, To one he gave five talents, to another two and another one. To each according to what? His ability. Being members of the church today, we have different abilities. You know, that's borne out very clearly in Romans chapter 12, verse 4 and 5, where it says, For we as have many members, but yet we're all part of that, that one body. He says, All the members do not have the same function, but we as many members work together. We being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. You know, we understand that our toes don't do the same thing our fingers do. I've never tried to write with my toes, but I can just imagine that I wouldn't be very good at it. You know, I've never tried to taste with my ear. I would say Jude has tried to taste with his nose, but that's a different story. I've never tried to taste with my ear, but I have a pretty good idea that it's not going to work very well. well. I also understand this. Within the church, we've got a lot of different people. Within those different people are a lot of different abilities. And within our different abilities is the opportunity for the church to be the greatest that it can be. And so therefore, we need all of our members, all members of the body to be working. It's not the same function. Back to Romans chapter 12 and verse 4. It's not all the same thing. You know, we had, I'm not going to call any names, but we had some people that came by not too long ago. And if you walk in the front doors right now, you will recognize that, man, the flower beds look nice. The bushes being trimmed look so much better. Why? Because they as members said, you know what? This is my task. 
It's an ability that I have and it's something that I can do. Now there's countless times that I can count that people have done that or that I could mention where people have come and they see something and they take care of it. Or they see someone that's struggling and they help them out and no one knows it but them. Within the church, we all have abilities. And I encourage you, use, work with your ability. All right. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Down in verse 10, Paul here, now he's, he's relaying back to the salvation that was given him. You know, he said, look, I've been caught up in sin. I was a pretty bad dude. He said, I, uh, he says, literally, he says, I persecuted the church of God. He talks about himself as, as a sinner and all that he had done wrong. And he says, but in verse 10, but by the grace of God, he said, I am what I am. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. He said, and his grace toward me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all, referring to the other apostles, not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. All right, he says, no matter where I came from, I was forgiven. And so therefore, I will make the most out of who I am. All right? I want to encourage you to be proud of who you are. What do I mean by that? I mean, God doesn't make mistakes. As a man, I should be proud to be a man. I should be proud that God has given me the opportunity to lead and to serve in the church in the capacity that I have been given. All right? As a woman, a woman should be proud and excited to be able to serve God in the capacity that they are given. One problem that we have in the world today, in fact, if you were to uh, guess my hypothesis... Or if I was to give you my hypothesis, the greatest reason that we have liberalism in the church today within that of women leading in worship is because we have a bunch of lazy men. The biggest reason that we have women take over is because we have men that don't have backbones and aren't willing to stand up and to be men. We have a problem. We need to be proud of who we are. I don't care what it involves. If you talk about black and you talk about white, you be proud to be who you are. You talk about short, you talk about tall, you be proud of who you are. You make the best of the situation you have and you use your ability and who you are to serve the Lord. You know, Paul actually talks about his thorn in the flesh. And he says, whatever this is, he said, it doesn't matter, I'm going to serve God. He said, I'm going to do my best. He said it was to, to keep him humble, basically. No matter what it is, be proud of who you are. You have a special opportunity that no one has. You want to talk about the real world 2021? Now the idea is that nobody's proud of who they are, and so you have to decide if you're a boy or a girl. In 2021, you have to decide what you want to be. You understand? You're not proud of who you are. Well, let me tell you, you are God's workmanship. God is proud of who you are. God expected you to be a man or God expected you to be a woman. Whatever situation you find yourself in, I encourage you, stand up and be it. All right.
We as many members, we have opportunities, we have abilities, and we need to be what God wants us to be. In the world today, we've decided that it's no longer about what God created me to be. No, it's what, whatever I feel like should be against nature. Look at Romans chapter 1. We actually studied this. Never mind. We mentioned it on Tuesday morning. We're almost there. Romans chapter 1. Verse 26 and 27. I take that back. That's where we left off. Verse 26, it says, For this reason God gave them up to vile passions. All right, you want to know the reason? Because they didn't find joy in, listen, Lucy, God. They didn't find their joy in God. And so therefore, if we don't find joy in God, where do we look? All manner of other places. Look at verse 26. He says... For even their women exchange the natural use for what's against nature. Verse 27, Likewise the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burn in their lusts for one another, men with men, committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error which was due. What I'm telling you is, be proud of who you are. You want to go against nature? Well, you'll see where it gets them. They wanted joy, but they wanted it somewhere else. Within the world today, I encourage you, be what God expects of you. Don't look to go a different direction. He said they did that which was against nature. No matter what sin it is, the idea is it's just a looking, a, a striving to find happiness somewhere else. Well, I'm here to tell you this morning, no matter where you look, there is only one place that true happiness is found, and that's in the Lord, and it leads to eternal life in heaven. All right. Notice back in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10. We've got five minutes left and 30 minutes left worth of material. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10. Point number two. God created me for good works. Notice in verse 10. For we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Did God have a purpose did God have a plan for you for good works? It says, which God prepared hand before that we should walk in them. I know there used to be in Dio's classroom on the chalkboard. I don't know if it's still on the chalkboard, but it used to say the three works of the church. You can go through the scripture and as you study the scriptures, the three works of the church. What are they? Edification, the helping of the poor, the needy, and evangelism. That's God's design for the church. When you talk about the good works in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10 that we are created for, that's our purpose. Well, that's our goal. We need a, a purpose within, within life to do something. And he says, look, here's your purpose. You want to find joy? Edify one another. You want to find joy? Help those that are needy. You want to find joy? Spread the good news. Look at Romans chapter 14 and verse 19. It says, Therefore let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things by which we are able or one may edify one another. We have the ability to edify one another. He says, pursue those things. Be working towards it. Go to it. Head that direction. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 11 says, Therefore comfort each other and edify 
one another. That's your work. That's your task. You know, when we talk about coming to services, why do you come to services? Is it just for you? Is it so you can be better? Absolutely. But it better be so that you can worship God. It better be so that you encourage your brothers and sisters in Christ because that's the design. Helps me, it helps them, and it accomplishes God's will. It's what God asks us to do. Helping the needy, Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6, you can look at verse 9 and 10. And we see here it says, And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, in verse 10, as we have opportunity, let us do good, especially to those of the household of faith. He said, let us do good to all men, especially the household of faith. Now, I understand as you talk about the needy, it's a tough task. Within, within God's design, he says, look, if a man won't work, neither let him eat. It's a tough design. It's, it's tough on the heart to try and understand when we see a true need or we see waste. We see a true need or we see someone that just goes out and buys their new cell phone and then says, well, I'll beg for food later. Within helping the needy, it's a tough task. But as Christians, you're up for the task. As Christians, it's a, it's a job to do. We want to help those that, that are truly needy. But at the same time, we don't want to enable ungodliness, ungodly lifestyles. So therefore, within the work of the church, we need to be helping those that are less fortunate. James chapter 1 and verse 27 says, Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the orphans and the widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. Notice also evangelism. Mark chapter 16, verse 15, one of the most well-known passages in all the scriptures, he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Drop down to verse 16, he says, He that believeth and is baptized, what? Shall be saved. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 2, And the things that you have heard among many witnesses, he says, do what? What do you do with those things that you've heard? You've heard the gospel. You sat in a gospel sermon and you listened to the gospel and you understand what it, what it takes for salvation. He says at the end of verse 2, he said, Commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. The idea is within Christianity, we are sharing the good news. Let us not capture it in a box and hold on to it. Let us capture it in our mind and tell it to everyone we know. All right, God created me for salvation, the last one. Go back to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. Now, we focused on verse 8 and 9 not terrible long ago, and so I didn't want to spend much time there. The idea, the idea though, be, behind verse 8 and 9 is what makes verse 10. Look at Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8. It says, For by grace you have been saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. He said, Not of works, lest any man should boast. Now he says in verse 10, For we are his workmanship. By the grace of God you're saved through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. It's not just because you earned it, because you didn't. Salvation came as a part of God's grace. What I mean is there is absolutely no way that you could enjoy God's grace outside of... You, there's no way you could enjoy salvation outside of God's grace. It is the only way possible. That grace 
tied to faith, works together so that man could find salvation. Romans chapter 6 and verse 23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Salvation came through grace, through God's grace. And because of God's grace, that's why he refers to us as his workmanship. We can be what God wants us to be. We can enjoy joy that's inexpressible because God gave salvation to the church, to Christians. Salvation came about through the working faith. You know, Hebrews 11, chapter 11, verse 6 says, But without faith it is impossible to please Him. But he that cometh to God must believe that He is, and He is rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. They're working you know, diligently seeking Him doesn't mean they fell into it. doesn't mean it was easy. It means they actively pursued it. You can look at Acts chapter 2 and verse 36 and following. It says, Therefore let all the house of Israel know surely that God hath made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. You get down to verse 37. They were cut to the heart and they said, Men and brethren, what should we do? And finally in verse 38 it says, And Peter said unto them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized. In the name of Jesus Christ for remission of sins. And it says, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Salvation came about through an active, working faith. And so today, how can you be what God wants you to be? Through a working faith. You know, that working faith goes a lot farther than this step of baptism where I'm put into Christ. A working faith is a lifestyle. Within Christianity, baptism is just a commitment that my goal and my plan is to live my life for you. At that point, we do access the blood of Christ, wherein we find remission of sins according to Acts chapter 2 and verse 38. But we start a lifestyle where we pursue after good works, edification, helping the needy, and evangelism. Salvation is not what is deserved for even the greatest of people. You think about the greatest person that you know, and let me tell you, they don't deserve salvation. You know, Billy and Dio are elders, but I'll tell you, they don't deserve salvation. Mike's a tremendous preacher, one of the best in the entirety of the brotherhood, but I'll tell you what, Mike does not deserve salvation. And Jared Rhodes, obviously, I figured you figured that one out. Jared Rhodes doesn't deserve salvation. Why? Because I'm not good enough. There is one man who was willing, not willing, there was one man who was deserving of salvation and he gave his life so that you could have hope. That is the grace of God. Romans chapter 3 and verse 23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Jews, Gentiles, all people. All people have fallen short of the glory of God, and so therefore, I needed Jesus. Doesn't matter how perfect you are. Doesn't matter how many times I messed up. What matters is that the blood of Christ was so special that each one of us could be saved. And what I'm telling you today is, if you want to enjoy 
your life. You need to be what God expects you to be. You need to be the man or the woman that God expects you to be. You need to be able to enjoy salvation wherein we find a joy that's inexpressible. And buddy, let's share it with the world. We've got hope for the future. We've got a great life because God died for me. If you haven't given your life to Christ, I ask you, why not? Understand you are His masterpiece. You're His workmanship. You're what He poured His heart into. He doesn't say that the world, this, this earth that we live on is His workmanship. No, He says you are His, your, his workmanship. You know, artists make lots of different puzzles. They make, I mean, lots of different uh, paintings. I see uh, Lynn's has had some paintings that I've, I've been able to... Well, in fact, we've got some in our home. We, we've got paintings that we're able to enjoy. Well, she's got one painting somewhere. It's her masterpiece. It's the one that she's most proud of. Look, God created the world and all that is in it. But the thing that he is more proud of than anything is you. If you haven't given your life to Christ, understand it's very simple. Jesus came to this earth living a perfect life. He became the willing sacrifice so that you could enjoy the grace of God in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8. He chose to die on the cross so that you could be forgiven. And we see within that death, He then was buried in a tomb and He rose again to live with the Father. We have the opportunity to put the death the works of the flesh. It might be referred to as repentance. Put to death those works of flesh. Get rid of sin. We have the opportunity to confess Christ before man. We want to tell the world, look, I'm living for Jesus Christ today and the rest of my life. We have the opportunity to be buried in the water just as Christ was buried in the tomb. And as Christ came up out of the tomb to go and be with the Father, we have the opportunity to rise up out of the water to live for the Father to one day also go be with the Father. If you haven't given your life to Christ, I encourage you, find the joy that is yours. Be the person 